Welcome to the Legacy of Our African-American Lives podcast, where our stories become oral histories to uplift, empower, and enrich the next generation. My name is Tangela Irby, and I would like to introduce you to Tanya Irby Langley. She is a G's Ben Legacy and host of the Shattering Glass Ceilings podcast. Tanya, welcome to the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to G's Ben. All right. Well, my name is Tanya Irby Langley. I am an ADHD life coach, an entrepreneur, an empowerment speaker, an advocate. I am an author and founder of Shattering Glass Ceilings, the book, as well as a company named Shattering Glass Ceilings, which has been my inspiration for doing the work that I do and being on the front lines of advocacy. My root and where I generated from all of this was my experience of raising a, a black and brown child is what I call them, with ADHD attention deficit disorder, which is something that has not been very much embraced and received in our community, especially coming from where we come from. It's not something that's talked about. And so when in 1999, when my son was diagnosed with it, I didn't know what to do with the diagnosis. I navigated through that and years later embarked on shattering glass. And so I've been breaking glasses all along. And then my connection to G's been, oh, I think I have a trifecta is what they call it, right? Um, because I have multiple, which goes beyond two ways of being connected. Both of my parents originated from G's Ben and my family thought it was a beautiful idea, which it absolutely is when I think about it, um, to keep our family connected. So I have G-Spin's connections from my maternal side, as well as my paternal side. All of my grandmothers, great and uh, immediate grandmothers, were quilters. I have aunts that were quilters. I experienced in my childhood, unlike many of my cousins that were born in Connecticut, I had the experience of living in G's Bend and being part of the Quilton Bee, which is the hub, which is the birth of where all of the goodness that you see in those quilts came from. Uh, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, Letitia Petway, who is now my angel, she did amazing things with those quilts. I can remember being a kid and you know at the end of each season we will all collect our our clothes and our our goods that we didn't need for the next seasons whether we grew out of those clothes or it was time to get rid of them and my grandmother would call and say don't don't throw the clothes away don't give them away send them to me and I can remember them sending boxes of these materials and these garments down to my grandmother and then the next time we would see her we would have a beautiful quilt those favorite jeans that you would wear until the seam came out in the middle or that favorite shirt that, you know, you had your ketchup stain from lunch that didn't come out. My grandmother made those things. My grandmothers made those beauties into treasures. My grandmother passed away in 2001. And when she passed away, she had worked on her very last quote. At the time, I did not know that I was carrying my daughter. That was the last quote she made. And my daughter has that quote on her bed today. So um, when we talk about legacy and history, while she never was able to meet her great grandma, the legacy still lives. And what's so beautiful about that is the fact that 
when someone passes away, I strongly believe that they don't leave you empty, right? And so that year when my grandmother went on and she transitioned was unexpected. That year, we welcomed three new babies and each one of those babies have a quilt. So that's one part of the legacy. My father's grandmother, she was a quilter, the Coleman side, I'm connected through the Petways, the Colemans and the Irbys. And I am connected to both. I have relatives that are intermingled on both sides. It's a beautiful heritage to carry because I have uniqueness across the board. I have aunts um, that were quilters there, cousins that were raised as quilters, and just that rich history that we take for granted. It's just amazing when I when I think back those times of being a little kid and not realizing how rich we were and it didn't necessarily mean money and how today, how rich we are. So that's my, a little bit about my connection to Jeeves uh, Ben. It, it's a history that never stops giving. Um, I learned something new about the history, just talking to my mom as she's getting older thinking about some of the things that she would say when we were younger or some of the foods that she would make when we were younger and we didn't appreciate then like those tea cakes. Don't know what a tea cake is. You don't know what you're missing. Every single one of my grandmothers made tea cakes. There was not a time that you went to Boykin, Alabama that you did not get sent home with a care package of tea cakes, pecan candy, and some, some coconut candy. My mother is Virgie Irby, but for those um, that are from the hometown, they know her as Mincy May. And that's a very unique thing uh, with her name because she has, you know, I, I, we joked growing up, me and my sisters, um, we would joke and say that she has aliases. So when she's up north, she's Virgie May. That's her city name or Virginia. Um, but when she's down south, she's Mincy May or Tina. So if you are from Boykin, Alabama, and you know who Mincy May is, then you know who I am. I am her oldest daughter. So memories of going to Boykin, the red dirt, the Irby side of me that comes from my father, Willie James Irby. And those that are from G's Ben will know the Irby family um, through, my, through my grandfather, Buddy Irby or Bud Addison Irby or Addison Irby. So again, here we go with those aliases, depending on who and when you knew them, you would know them by those names. And on my paternal side, Minda Coleman is my grandmother. Beautiful memories and they have all gone home. And I was blessed to be able to know them. The memories of going down South during May Day Awesome experience. Like I said, we had the opportunity to live there for a couple of years. And I think I was maybe in the fifth or sixth grade. We moved to Alabama and we were up the country, as they call it. And we had May Day. And I'd never experienced May Day. I always heard them talk about it and, you know, hearing the family up here saying, oh, we're going home for May Day because it was a big, big, big deal. One of the teachers there, you know, I was a city girl in the classroom of all of the natives. And they were like, oh, you never experienced May Day? And they're like, oh, you're going to have a great time. And that we did. We plat uh, platted the Maypole. It's like, a, what is that ride that they have in uh, the, the uh, fairs? It's, it's like that pole and the swings are swinging around. I think that's what it's called, the swing. 
you had the poles and you had a different, each one of the persons that had um, a plat is what they called it. You platted the pole with your string. And once it was done and you got to the bottom, it was a beautiful, looked like a beautiful quilt. So many metaphors and so many similes there that I can think about. It always brings me back to those quilts. I was honored by our organization a couple of years ago and um, Tangie, I, I was just in awe that the gift and the token that was given to us was a mini quilt. And I look at that quilt and I'm like, goodness, I am really blessed because I do not eat soul food. I am not a soul food eater. I can cook it. You know, people laugh at me when they find out that I'm an herby in a pet way and I don't eat soul food. My mother is, a, is an awesome cook. Everybody knows that. Her staple is her cornbread. People far and near, when they ask about my mom, she relocated back down south. When they talk about, I'm still in Connecticut. When they talk about my mom, how's your mom doing? Oh, did she make some cornbread? Is she, is she still making cornbread? Her cornbread, her sweet potato pie, from what I understand from those, for, for my soul food eaters, any type of soul food you want, she makes collard greens, mac and cheese. My mother is the cook of our family. My mother is a warrior. I was asked uh, to write an essay, I think my senior year of high school. And it asked me, who was my hero? And you had people, you know, that were talking about, oh, you know, celebrities, actors, uh, athletes. And here I come and I changed the title to who was my shero. My teacher at the time, she was like, well, that was very bold of you, but that wasn't the assignment. I said, but that was the assignment for me. The reason why I changed to, to Shiro was when I was probably like seven years old, mom had a really bad accident and she had got hurt really bad and she lost the use of her left arm. She had fallen through a window, was hurt on that job where it uh, landed her disabled, uh, long story short. And with the adversity and challenges that she would have to face back in the 80s, because she this was back in 1980, she continued to work like a person with two hands. She lost the use of her left hand. She should have been disabled. She should have been able to, you know, not work and have to worry about the things that people with two hands would have to worry about. Not my mother. My mother, she continued to work. She had just had a baby. Her, my youngest sister was born in February. She had this accident in May of 1980. And it was a struggle. I watched my mother fight. You know, how the women of Wakanda on Black Panther, well, just when you close your eyes and envision them, you see my mother. And true Virgie fashion, continued to work, persevered like a person with two hands until she couldn't do it anymore. Um, and then she was blessed to be able to go back to school and get her second career. My mother has instilled in me tenacity. My mother has instilled in me perseverance. My mother has instilled in me everything that you want, you go get it. My mother has instilled so much in me that I can't even, I could write a book and still another book and another book and I still would not have enough pages to talk about the life lessons that my mom has instilled in me. Um, I am strong. She is strong. Um, we, we joke about it. 
now, but there was a time that me and her clashed because she did everything in her power because she had three girls and she did not want us to be weak damsels in distress. She wanted us to be strong women, strong black women. And one of the things I can remember her saying is that you can do anything that you set your mind to anything. And I can remember always being the smallest girl of the bunch. It was always something with me. Either I was the smallest kid of the bunch in the bunch. I was either the lightest girl in the bunch. I was either the different. I always knew there was something peculiar about me, but and it always would show up. And I would come home crying. Oh, they didn't, you know, they were laughing at me. And, and my mother would just shake her head. And she would say, don't you know when people are jealous of you? Don't you know people are doing that because they want something you have? There's something about you. And I never understood that until now. Until like within the last 10 years, I think that that lesson that I had to learn, even though it was there all along, my mother continued to cultivate that in me. And, you know, anything that I wanted to do instilling in me that I can do it, don't let anyone stop you. Keep going because there's something in you that burns that they wish they could have. When we talk about that voice of advocacy and being able to say what's on your mind, I get that 100% from her. And she's so eloquent with it at times. Like my mother can tell you off. You'll know once you're being told off um, or when you're being put in your place. But there's times that she is just so graceful with it that you just, you kind of like sit there and awe. like, did she just check me? Yes, she did. And it's with such love. And people will tell you she's firm, she's hard, but she loves even harder. Our moms, our, our moms, we become our moms. And as I continue to grow, when I look in the mirror, I see the woman that she needed me to be. And although she, you know, our parents put us in positions where they want us to go further, everything that my mother desired for herself, I could see it in me. What she was not able to get and wasn't, wasn't able to receive, I see where she put that in me. I'm grateful because there's a lot of folks out there that have not had the experience of that relationship with their, their moms. They haven't had the longevity. I'm grateful when I look at my, my friends and you know other uh, people in my life, my cousins who have lost their moms. And I'm grateful. And I lend them to, y'all can have her. Y'all can borrow her anytime y'all want. Now, on the flip side of that, you have my father. You know, my father is just, he's so wise, so humble. He taught us because he had four daughters, not one son. He instilled in us all the principles and values that we needed as women. Be strong, independent women, but to also um, be soft, tender women. My dad, he's just a cool guy. His wisdom by far, anytime I'm stuck, I can go to both of them. But if I go to my father, I know I'm going to get the direction that I need to be on. He does not hold any punches. Just like my mother, very direct, says what he needs to say, but he just has a style about him. He's just so cool. I feel that I've made my parents proud and I continue to make them proud. I want my children to exceed. I want them to surpass me. Um, when I talk about shattering glass ceilings, I want them to bust the roof off of it. We always have the first this, the first that. 
but I want them to be the first to see the beauty of themselves. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. I've allowed them and created space for them to be able to be who they are unapologetically. I used to be that kid, you know, afraid of what others thought and, you know, you know, uh, who's watching and, you know, looking for validation. Listen, my children watch me do that, right? And so today, when I see them, they are the complete opposite of me. They are um, resilient. They are smart. They are like, I, I, I get entertained just talking to both of them. I have a, a son and a daughter. They have such big ideas. They are on levels at their age. They're 28 and 20. And some of the things that they talk about in conversations that I have with them, at their age, I was not on that level. So for me, all of the things that my parents desired for me I was able to grasp and give it to them. So now it's their opportunity. I don't stop them from being who they are. I support them and I give them the space. I give them like, go, you want to go to the moon? How you getting there? Even though I know, well, maybe they might not make it to the moon, but I'm not going to tell them that. I let them believe, if they believe it, then they will manifest it. And so when you give a child that kind of, insight and and realm to move in they go far and beyond like their imagination and my oldest one his imagination he had imagination at two years old like he was having full conversations with adults and they were baffled like he's how old two having grown-up conversations and so that continues to carry on at 28 and some of the conversations I have and I'm like my god like these kids are so smart these kids are amazing. Um, so I want them to be able to show the world their superpowers and who they are. And I want them to have everything that they deserve. And if, and as long as I have breath in my body and air and faith, they will. Well, Tanya Irby Langley, I have to say, I thank you for spending time with us today on the podcast. I wish everything that you wish for your kids and more, but you know, Action has to back all that up. That's right. And I know that you are a woman of action. And as people are listening, I hope that they have been taking notes and that they hear something that will inspire them to continue to help us enrich the next generation. Thank you so much.